This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm joined by the number one fan of the Buffalo Sabres, Richard Blackaby. <laughs> yes, and proud of it, okay. although they kind of got drubbed last night, so I'm a little down today. You know, Thanks for bringing that up, Sam. Oops. Yeah. Well, I wasn't sure, you know, like you'd, you'd sort of been bragging recently. Yeah. And I thought, oh, you know, well, maybe they've turned over a new leaf here. Well, they have, but they, the old leaf came back with a vengeance last night. <laughs> well, we won't, we won't dwell yes, on the Sabres for too Let's not we'll, we'll, tarry we'll there. You know. mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're glad to have everyone back uh, for the second installment yep. of um, Disciple Making. And uh, we're looking at how did Jesus make disciples and... How do we apply that to our lives? Yeah, we kind of got uh, we got a running start all the way through verse one wow. of Luke chapter nine. Uh, by the way, Sam, I was going to say uh, just a, a quick plug here as well. Uh, I, we always have a little ad halfway through this podcast, but uh, don't want to just encourage listeners. Uh, May eighth to tenth, I'll be at the Cove again. It's kind of an open session about. How God uh, creates or develops friends of God. What what does it mean to be a friend of God? Mm. We all know that God's our friend, but which of us does God look at and say, "That's my friend"? Uh, we assume if He's our friend that we're His as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is kind of an interesting study, and so if you've never been to the Cove, it's in outside of Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, it's a beautiful place. Uh, Billy Graham and Ruth Graham kind of set it up, and. Uh, just one of my very favorite places to teach. And I just want to throw out there, I've had some people say, hey, we're going to go. We've never been to the Cove before, and we're, we're bringing a couple of people with us. And uh, one of the things they do there is that uh, they I, the speakers have a table or two the, for the musicians and the speaker that we can eat at. And I typically, if people say, hey, we're coming, I've got my, you know, my sister and my husband are all coming, um, then a lot of times what we'll do is we'll try to set up a meal where I can sit, you can sit at my table and I just, I like to get to visit with folks that have made the effort to come. And so if you're a listener of this podcast and you decide, Hey, I'm going to go this time to Richard's uh, thing at the Cove, then just message uh, at uh, the, what is the email here for the, the well podcast? for the podcast? It's just podcast at po- Blackaby. Okay, so org. podcast at Black. <laughs> uh, and uh, let me know. Uh, hey, I read. I just want you to know I registered. I'm coming with X number of people. Would love to get to meet you or talk to you a little bit. And then uh, I've got someone, uh, Rick Fisher, that's usually with me. He kind of just arranges all my meals. And so this last year. I think every breakfast, lunch, and dinner, uh, we had people scheduled, and uh, that was really enjoyable for me. And so if you follow this podcast and you think, I'd love just to get to have lunch with Richard there and talk about some stuff, uh, ask him some questions, um, then, hey, I'd love to do it too. So just if we fill up, uh, you know, uh, I'd encourage you, if you're thinking about do it, uh, do it soon, and we'll get you on the list. Yeah. Before all of my meals, uh, and you know, I might have to book you into a midnight snack, but <laughs> but anyway, just a little yeah. a plug about that. But well, good. So, Luke 9, uh, we looked at verse 1, and it says that he Jesus uh called his 12 disciples into himself, and we we saw last week that uh, you can't give to others what you don't have yourself, and so before you ever go out and start uh, ministering, leading, serving. 
you have to first draw in to God. So you've got the power and the authority uh, to use with the assignment God gives you. And so, so he, he, he brings them in. And we, we saw that in verse one. And so then it goes on and says in verse two, now, after, after he's given them power and authority, by the way, I'll tell you, if you're a pastor, especially, and you're trying to do church work uh, without the power and authority of God, <laughs> good luck. Yeah. You need, uh, especially in this day, all the power and authority that God can give you. And so, uh, don't, don't, run right past that part of the process, uh, stay there and soak in everything God has. And when you're fully loaded, fully prepared, then, then go out and then minister. And so it says verse two, then he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And that word then is important. Uh, it's then God sent them, then Jesus sent them. And sometimes we kind of feel like, well, I feel ready now. I'm, I'm ready to go now. I've got this burning uh, call in my, my spirit to get out there and make things happen. But uh, the disciples don't go until Jesus sends them, until he, he releases them. And I've known so many people that became impatient with God. They wanted to get out there right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, or I've known seminary students. Uh, literally, I've, I could tell you a number of students sharp people that thought, Hey, I, I can't take three years, uh, to go to seminary. I, the, the world is desperately in need right now. I'm going to get out there and, and get to work. And, uh, and what I found is, uh, if you really want to be as effective as God would have you to be, don't go until God sends you. And, mm-hmm. uh, if he wants to build some more things in your life first, take the time to let him do that. And so whatever assignment that might be that God has for you, maybe you work in a secular environment, you, maybe you're working up the corporate ladder, but it, you may feel like you're ready for a lot more than what you're doing, but you just need to trust God. You, you do the best you can. You're as faithful as you can be. You grow, you learn, you prepare, but then just trust that at, in the right moment, when God knows the timing's right, it will say, then... God sent you as well. And so it it says he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God. And of course, the kingdom of God is the rule of God. And the rule of God is uh, God's rule as king over any life anywhere in the world. Uh, Any place where someone is yielded to the the lordship of Christ, uh, any territory that is dominated by God and his purposes, uh, and God is on a historic quest year by year to extend his kingdom over every inch of this planet. Now, in one sense, he is sovereign over every inch. Uh, anything God wants to do in this world, there's nobody going to stop him. But there are lots of nations and lots of people groups that are not fully surrendered to God as king yet. And God is determined um to extend his kingdom and rule over every person. And so um, you'd think that he might have sent them out to preach the good news about the church, but he wants to, he is focused on the kingdom. And it's interesting, the church actually doesn't get mentioned very much in the New Testament, certainly not in the gospels. It does once Paul starts starting them. But in Jesus' uh, ministry, he talks far, far more about the kingdom than he does about the church. And, you know, there's a couple of implications for that. One is in a kingdom, there's only one king and that's not us. 
uh, sometimes as pastors, we kind of want to be the king of our church. We want to be, we want to focus on what we're ruling in our congregation. Uh, but with the kingdom, we're reminded that we're all kingdom citizens. We're all servants of the king. Every one of us doesn't matter if you're a senior pastor or you're the CEO. Um, we're, we're all just kingdom citizens. And, and also I think for a lot of pastors, especially and, and a lot of church members, we get so, uh, worked up about extending the ministry of our church that we forget that we're a part of a kingdom. And I see churches that never cooperate with other churches. Uh, they never support the work of God's work in other places. They just pour everything into their church and the building up of their church. And you really can't be a Jesus follower unless you are a kingdom citizen with a kingdom vision. And so you ought to be someone as a citizen of the kingdom and the king that every time God's kingdom is extended anywhere, whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's across your city, uh, whether it's on the other side of the world, you ought to be thrilled because when God's kingdom is extended anywhere, then the kingdom you belong to is extended as well. And so God always has a bigger picture. He has a kingdom view, not just a local church view. Now the local church is very important, but it is all the local churches in the world, along with all the believers in the world make up the kingdom. And ultimately God has a kingdom perspective on things. And I feel like too many Christians have a church, a local church, my church perspective. Yeah. Uh, and so he sends them out and says, preach uh, the, the good news of the kingdom of God. And you, then you get to verse three and, it, and he has a, a, just a few uh, uh, instructions. And I'll tell you, verse three is kind of interesting. He says, take nothing for the road. Now he's sending them all out on the road. And he's sending them out two by two. So that I guess there's six groups of two. And, um, and it's, but he says, don't, now they're going to be walking along the roadside. They, they won't know they, I mean, they're not loaded with a, you know, travel budget. They don't have a corporate credit card, uh, to use at a local hotel. They're um, not taking c- caravans of camels and donkeys. Yeah. And you know, change of clothes and, uh, lo- lots of food supplies. Uh, he says, take nothing for the road. He told them no staff no traveling bag. Of course, a traveling bag, you're going to put some food, some things to eat in case, you know, you're stranded along the roadside somewhere. And of course, we, we have a hard time imagining now that there's no, uh, you know, QT or Bucky's or anything along the road uh, to just stop and get uh, packed up with some food. No bread, no money. I mean, how do you go traveling on uh, all over the countryside? You'd have no money. You can't, you can't purchase food. And don't even take an extra shirt. Uh, that's going to get pretty smelly a little ways out on the road there. Kind of shooting, your, <laughs> shooting yourself in the foot with that one. You're, you're trying to draw a crowd. You're not trying to send people running uh, in the yeah. opposite direction. So why does, why does uh, Jesus say this? Uh, now, what's interesting, before you... Now, there's some, uh, like uh, the Franciscans and others uh, during the various centuries of church history who took this literally and said, okay, then I just, I'll, I'll just be uh, destitute, poor, and I won't take care of any of my own provision. Um, and, uh, and I don't think that that's necessarily what Jesus is saying, because actually near the end of his public ministry, he's going to give a similar 
uh, instruction, but this time he's going to tell them the opposite. He's going to say, you know, pack some stuff, like bring an extra tunic. Um, and so you wonder, well, well, which one is it? I mean, why does he give two opposite instructions? Yeah. And I think, I think what it is, is this is early on in Jesus training. He's training them right now. This is not their final ministry. This, I mean, I'm sure they're going to do a lot of good while they go out, but this is more for the disciples than it is for the people that the disciples will minister to. The disciples have to learn some lessons early on. And I think one of the main lessons is trust yourself and your ministry into the hands of God and even your provision. So I want to, I think what Jesus is saying is I'm going to give you a little, little test here, a little exercise. I want you to just head out on the road with, with no food. Uh, doing my will, my work. And then I'm going to show you how right on schedule, day by day, uh, there'll be someone who's going to come alongside and give you just enough to eat, or they'll give you a place to sleep and they'll care for you. They'll do your laundry uh, when you need to get that shirt cleaned up. And you'll discover that when you're doing my will, uh, that I provide everything that you need. Mm. And now later he's going to say, okay, now I want you to be, now that you've learned to trust me, uh, I'm, I, it's okay if you have an extra shirt or, you know, if you bring some trail mix with you along the way, so you at least have something to, yeah. to kind of sit there in your stomach when you, you don't have any real uh, food to eat. And so he, he's teaching them to trust him early on and to realize that if you have a God, then you have all that you need. And, well, and there seems to be something to the fact that, that Jesus would always put himself in places of need when you know, sharing the kingdom. Like he comes to Peter and says, I need your boat. You know, he comes to the woman at the well. I need your bucket. Yeah. You know, he's always seems to be putting himself at the mercy of others. Um, and then by doing so, you know, amazing things happen. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a good point, Sam. I think, uh, you know, God, I mean, Jesus could certainly just um, do everything on his own. Like he yeah. doesn't need disciples. He doesn't need a woman at the well to give him water. He could come up with water his own way. Uh, but, but God humbles himself and he does his work in a way that involves other people. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I've been, I've led a nonprofit now for a long time, uh, maybe pushing 30 years or so, 25 years anyway. And, um, and I've constantly, everything I've ever led, whether it's a church, whether it's a school, whether it's this nonprofit that you and I are part of now, uh, we, re- we require people to don't donate money. I mean, we need, we need financial support. And, I, and there's been times when I've said, God, why don't you just give us some inheritance? You know, why doesn't someone just leave us several millions of dollars so that we can yeah. just get our work done and we don't have to keep waiting for a donation to come in so we can finance, well, you know, it removes that stress. Yeah. And like God, like, uh, then I can just buy fully. a new laptop when I need it. Not when I've, you know, raised, we've got enough uh, donations that have come in. Uh, but God just chooses to do his work that way where we are interdependent where, mm-hmm. and now not everybody can go traveling around the country preaching like, uh, like I've been called to do, but people can be a part of that ministry. They can give, they can pray, they, they can be joined in with what we're doing. And so God just has a way of making us interdependent. And so, um, and so here's where the, the disciples, 
you would think he would just say, okay, here's a credit card. Now just get out there and spend all your time preaching. Just, just slip into a, a roadside restaurant when you're hungry and then just get back out there and, and keep preaching. But instead he says, no, you're going to discover that there's other kingdom citizens out there that will give you, let you stay in their guest room. That'll give you a, a lunch when you need it. And Learn to, to minister along with others I place along your way. Uh, and, and, of course, then you have to start recognizing where God's at work and in whom God's at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you start uh, relating to people, you'll have your spiritual eyes open to say, I wonder if this is uh, God's provision for where I'm going to sleep tonight or mm-hmm. not. If you've ever wondered how to ask the right questions to help move people onto God's agenda, then consider attending Blackaby Ministries Spiritual Leadership Coaching Workshop April 17th to the 19th at Johnson Ferry Baptist Church in Marietta, Georgia. Not only is there great teaching at this workshop, but you will also get to practice what you learn. Use code EARLYBIRD at checkout for a special discount. To find out more and to register, visit blackabycoaching.org slash workshop. Links will be in the show notes. So he says, uh, uh, interesting in verse four, it says, whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. Uh, and y- some of this instruction, you think, okay, now Jesus has to have a purpose for this. And, and what he's saying is when you basically, when you wander into a village somewhere, you don't have anywhere to sleep, you've got nowhere to eat, uh, and you just begin preaching and ministering. Whoever comes up to you and says, hey, you know, Sam, really appreciate that message today. That's really encouraging. Hey, listen, do you, uh, do you have a place to stay? Do you have, uh, do you, have, you, have you eaten lunch? Uh, my wife and I'd be glad to have you come and stay at our place. And well, just, uh, just trust that that's God's provision. So you go there. But, that, but what, what Jesus says is, so whoever comes up to you first, whoever first offers you uh, hospitality, say yes, go there. And that's great. But the problem is maybe someone in a very modest home with a very modest budget, maybe just a blue collar worker Mm -hmm. brings you home and they've got beans and wieners on, you know, and so, uh, and they don't have much and their guest bed is pretty rickety, uh, and dusty and small and cramped. And three days into your preaching assignment, the wealthiest guy in town now uh, stops by and he's got a whole beautiful palatial place up in the, on the hillside with a, with a pool. In fact, it's a private, it's a private guest house. Yeah. Whole, you don't even have to interact with That's right. The and guy. it's got high speed internet and, and he says, Hey, where are you staying? And Oh, you're staying over at his house. Hey, listen, you know, I'd be happy to have you come up to my place if you like. We've got a lot more room. You've got a beautiful view of the countryside. And, of course, within us, we're like, yes, you know, yeah. that'd be awesome staying at his house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure the food would be better. But what, God, what he, Jesus says is, no, wherever you start, uh, who, whatever door opens to you first, just stay there. And he has to have a reason for that. <laughs> and I think in part, what he's trying to say is, uh, listen, where you sleep, where you eat is very secondary. And I don't want you obsessing about that. I don't want you the whole time 
trying to upgrade yourself the whole time uh, to getting a better accommodation because then you're going to start focusing so much on that mm-hmm. uh, and comparing and always trying to look for the most luxurious accommodations possible that you're not going to be focused on my work and the message and the assignment that I've given you. Every time you meet someone, you're going to be like, hey, so what kind of place do you live in? Yeah. <laughs> do you have a guest room? Uh, what kind of bed do you have in that guest? You know, you, you're going to spend a lot of time looking out to better yourself all the time. And, yeah. and I know a lot of people like that, that they are constantly on the lookout to upgrade, whether it's their motorcycle, their car, their laptop, their phone, uh, their clothes, uh, their TV, whatever it might be. They're always kind of looking, how can I make this a little better? And, uh, and you know, there, there's nothing wrong with upgrading when your phone is about dead. It's time to get a newer model. There's nothing wrong with that. But what Jesus is trying to protect his disciples from is being so distracted by that kind of thing that they're not focused on their assignment. And so, so what you have to do is when you walk into town, just pray that a really, a guy with a really nice house is the first person. And I've, I've had some times like that where I've maybe gone to a meeting or something and uh, there's lots of people attending and I'm kind of walking in the room and just maybe it's a mealtime and I'm wandering around the tables and and I'll just basically say, if someone says, hey, Richard, we, we'd love for you to join us here, uh, sit at our table and eat with us. Well, you know, I, I noticed that three tables over is a very prominent Christian leader I would have loved to have visited with, but I, I, he didn't invite me. He, I didn't get to him in time. I'm, I've been, had someone else invite me. And, and, uh, and I've sort of tried to practice this a little bit to say, well, I'm just going to have to trust that God is uh, alerting me that perhaps my presence is more needed uh, with that table, with those people, than maybe a more prominent person. And so, um, so Jesus just says, "Look, just don't get all hung up. You have to, you have to eat, you have to sleep, but don't let that be foremost on your list of priorities. There's a lot more important stuff, like what you're going to preach in your next meeting, and." And, you know, whether you're going to take time to pray. And so, so he says that, but then in verse five, uh, he says something else that's very controversial. He says, if they do not welcome you. So when you come into the town and you're there to preach, you're there to share the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God, but they don't, they don't listen to you. They don't welcome you. They may be even tell you to get out of, out of their village. They don't want to hear it. You're, you're unwelcome. Then he says, when you leave that town, uh, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And that concept of shaking off the dust of your feet has been uh, much discussed over the generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that mean? When, when is it appropriate for you to, to shake the dust off your feet with a person? Um, and, you know, I think probably we all have those kind of people in our lives that uh, we've tried to share truth, we've tried to do what's helpful to them, but they didn't really want what you yeah. had to offer. Or you, you gave advice and they just they despised it, they mocked it, or they just didn't, they didn't heed it, they didn't take it seriously. Yeah, and I think we recently just did a whole episode on when to cut someone loose. Like, yeah. Just yeah. the whole idea is it's just, it's difficult, I think, for people to to wrestle with. Yeah. And, and this is, this concept of shaking the dust is actually a, a prophetic, uh, action that prophets would do when prophets were going around speaking the truth. 
when you shook the dust off your feet, what it, what it implied was, I don't even want any dust that might have collected to my sandal when I walked into this village uh, to be going out with me. I want nothing to do with this village. I, don't, I, I want no connection. I don't even want a, a particle of dust from this place going out with me. I'm, I'm leaving you all to yourself. I'm not taking any of you with me. And what that was saying is, essentially, you have been given the truth. You were given an opportunity uh, for to experience God's blessing. God sent a messenger right here into your midst uh, to share truth of good news, but you rejected it. You didn't want it. Um, and so you will be held accountable uh, to whom much is given, much is required or expected. You were given much, but you didn't, you never received it. You never embraced it. So you're without, uh, without excuse. And, you know, there are people in various parts of the world that have really no access to the gospel. They can't go to church. They can't order a Bible from Amazon. Uh, they, they have no, there's no missionaries in their country. Uh, and so it's very difficult for them uh, to hear the truth of the good news. Um, and, and so they'll still be accountable for what's been given to them, but they haven't been given much. Mm-hmm. And then there's others that have had Christians witnessing to them, ministering to them. Maybe the people have even been at, at church and they've heard the good news. They have three Bibles on their bookshelves, uh, but and they know what to do. Maybe they are a Christian and they know what God wants, but they just are not open uh, I've got a, a person or two in my life right now that I'm kind of wrestling with this because over an extended period of time, I've tried to give them good advice, wise, godly counsel, and they just don't really want to hear it. They just want to twist it to, they just want to, they want me to affirm what they're doing. Yeah. They don't want me to tell them, no, you shouldn't be doing that. And if I start to meddle at all in areas of their life where they, they have, for instance, uh, a number, they, they really want God to use them, but they would tell you that they have several broken relationships. And so when I go to say, well, the first thing you need to do is get those relationships right. You need to ask forgiveness. You need to be reconciled. Uh, they'll get mad about that and push back and reject that. And, but then they want me to come back and bless them and encourage them and, and endorse them. And I would say, well, you know what, uh, over and, and, and so at some point you just say, listen, I don't have anything more to say to you. Like yeah. I've, I've shared all the truth with you. I can, and you still don't want to hear it. You don't want to follow it. And so at, at a certain point, it's, it's kind of like the concept of casting pearls before swine where you can keep giving them these precious words of God's truth, but they're treating it like trash. They don't want to hear it. And so at a certain point, when do you, instead of just coddling them, uh, year after year, just keep being gracious and kind and patient. Is there a point where you say, you know, I, I don't have anything more to say to you. I, I, you've heard the truth and maybe what needs to happen is for you to have that shocking experience of me simply shaking the dust from my feet and saying, again, I, I don't know. It's not, remember, this is a, this is a prophetic action. It is a way of saying, I've given you everything that I could and you've rejected it. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily saying, uh, so don't ever call me again. You know, no matter what happens, I, 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 you're, you're dead to me. You know, it's not, it's not really saying that. It's just saying, I, I want to dramatically emphasize the fact that you have rejected everything that I have offered to you. And yeah. so uh, let the, just for the, let the record show 
that I tried to help you, I tried to share the truth with you, and you would have none of it. And so let's just make that clear. You've rejected it. You don't want my help. And so let's let's sort of stop and make that very clear so that we all understand. You, you It's not that we're just going to have these endless conversations uh, that go nowhere. Let's make it clear. You just don't want what I'm offering. And so... Uh, I've got to move on. I've got to find people that do want to hear the good news of uh, the gospel. Yeah. Well, I think we've uh, we've managed to wrap up uh, part two. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think we've... And don't just rush off and start shaking the dust off your feet toward everybody that annoys yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully the takeaway is not just uh, to, to be that shaking the dust prophet. Um but, but there could be some people in your life that yeah. perhaps need a stronger word. And again, uh, we've done a whole a whole episode on, mm-hmm. on sort of how to approach that. And, and there certainly is a time for that and a place for that. Um, but uh, don't just say, well, you know, Richard said I could do this. <laughs> yeah, and, so yeah. and I've got pretty life. dusty feet right now. <laughs> yeah, well, um, again, thank you for walking us through this. And there's, there's just so much richness in this passage. And, yeah. and I imagine we'll be camping here for a while. We will. And uh, until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.